Welcome to Vision Pros, the show all about spatial computing, Vision OS, and getting work done on the Apple Vision Pro. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of Vision Pros is sponsored by Agenda. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Right, there's absolutely no reason developers can't develop the, their own custom UIs because they can have as many windows as they want. So they can anchor a control surface to a, to a flat surface and then make that control surface be whatever makes sense for their app and then have the visual stuff in front of you so you can see all the waveforms in front of you, but you have a very intuitive control which may have giant big sliders that are just impossible to miss that you can move very precisely with your finger. Welcome back to another episode of Vision Pros. We're joined today by Bart Bouchatz, which you may have heard on his podcast, Let's Talk Apple, and as a frequent contributor to Allison Sheridan's Zillcast podcast. This episode was a fun one, as we really took a look at the potential of this new platform and spatial computing, and dove into some of the underlying technology and APIs Apple showcased at WWDC 2023. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing to do is go out and download Agenda, who's sponsoring this episode of Vision Pros. I'll be sharing a bit later in this episode how I use Agenda to collaborate with guests on the podcast. But for now, head on over to agenda.com to learn more and get started with this awesome app that I've used for years at this point to produce the podcast and am excited to use on Vision OS. Another way to support the podcast and get early access to both Vision Pros and iPad Pros is by supporting the Patreon at visionpros.fm slash Patreon, or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My great thanks to everyone that supports the show there. With that, here's my discussion with Bart, all about the future of computing. Welcome to Podcast Bart. I'm very excited to dive into all this Vision OS stuff with you today. I am absolutely delighted to be here, and uh, best of luck with the new the new project. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I heard you uh, chat with Allison about Vision OS. It's like, oh, I, I want to, I want to chat even more about this stuff with, with <laughs> um, on the Cast uh, or one of the offshoots uh, chit chat. I forget uh, where it was. Yeah, I think it was chit chat across the pond because I wanted to go long in the conversation. So I was like, I want a whole episode with you, Allison. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so for those that don't, don't uh, know who you are, can you share a bit on your background, who you are, um, and kind of what your current computer setup are? You are you a Mac user, an iPad power user, or something else? I okay. So computers is easy. I am an Apple user all the way through. I have an Apple Watch. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad Pro, and I have a Mac Studio. With go. a Mac Studio display. <laughs> so that's Apple, Apple all the way down. <laughs> all the way through, yeah. Yeah. Um, by day, I am a cybersecurity specialist. Uh, before that, I was a sysadmin. And uh, in terms of podcasting, I do a monthly show called Let's Talk Apple, where I try to zoom out. So sort of be, I, I call myself the inverse of Ken Ray. So Ken is your yeah. daily show with all the detail. And right. I zoom out and give you the, the once a month sort of, um, yeah, the big picture of you. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. And I also appear regularly with Alison on the Silicast. Uh, we do, I'm teaching Alison to program uh, over a podcast, which is an interesting experience. Um, but that's programming by stealth. That's been going on for a good while now. And then I show up every two weeks to do a security segment called Security Bits, where the rule is I'm not allowed to give people scary information and I'm not allowed to basically get all nerdy and technical. It has to be actually useful and practical, which is interesting. 
And with the the monthly updates, it's kind of like thematic stuff. It's not like here was the news. It's more like trending of different uh, of things or. Oh. I, I try to pick main stories. Um, yeah. So now what I have discovered is you can't only do main stories because sometimes you have these themes that like run for a year and a half, two years. So I start yeah. the show by sort of picking up, like at the moment, the big theme is India, right? Yeah. It's never, it's never the main story of the month, but if I were to ignore it, it'd be raw. Like I'd be missing something. So right. I sort of start the, and the regulatory stuff is really, it just keeps rolling, right? Everyone's yeah. trying to re- regulate tech and that just rolls on. So I start off with those and then I pick four big main themes. Mm-hmm. And then I, f- I finish up with a few of the little stories like, and Apple did a new Beats Pro headset. I mean, yeah. that's not a main story, but right. you should mention it, you yeah. know, and, and that's sort of the structure of the show. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, as this is a Vision OS podcast, I'm curious, do you have any experience with the other headsets apple won't call it a headset what's a headset um like the psvr one or two oculus or any of the other stuff out there have you ever used no they've always struck me as gimmicks i've never seen the why and i i i I watched the facebook demo was about a year and a half ago because everyone said it was the future and I should watch it. And so I did. And I thought, yeah, yeah, maybe no energy. Anything non-gaming is just not useful in my, I I love the gaming stuff. Right. I get super absorbed in the games. I have a PSVR two and it's a freaking amazing. I have the PSVR one and, Two's uh, light years ahead, but it is purely about gaming, and that's you know even when Apple Vision Pro comes out, that's where I'm going to be gaming because Vision Pro ain't it. Um, but that's okay. Um, this is a different kind of thing, uh, which is part of why people I think are excited by this thing. Yeah, because I, I think I was one of the few people who I I don't really care about the hardware uh, because to me it's only America this first generation of hardware, right. it's going to be very expensive. Yeah. So sitting here in Ireland, I was like, okay, fine, not a bad starting point. They're calling it a pro, very clearly signaling that the, there is you know, a low end about to arrive at some point. But what, what amazed me, because I've been listening to the rumor mill because that's what you do. Yeah. And we knew they were going to talk VR. I was not expecting... And I wasn't excited. Yeah, it's was, it was funny. I wasn't excited. But the rumor was like, oh, I'm not going to care about this at all like apple doesn't get you know the gaming stuff and they don't with this but right ooh, they showed a way different vision of what this thing will be um yeah right exactly so i i yeah whatever i was expecting a headset i was not expecting a whole new paradigm of computing and i i mean this is how i said it to allison but i felt the same feeling as i felt when steve Jobs showed us ios for the first time yeah which at that stage was still called iphone os right it's like oh wow this is new. Mm-hmm. And what what amazed me was how well, like, this is not half-baked. And from the demo, I could see there was a lot here. But because it was WWDC, and because they now let you go in for free, I went in and watched the developer sessions. Yeah. These APIs are mature and thought through. And when the when the developers are giving their presentations, they're talking about when we were writing this app, we were doing this. And when we were writing that app, we were doing that. This is easily seven or eight years worth of work. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're re- releasing it, you know, because we've had these rumors. Right. And in hindsight, all the rumors are factually true, but they missed the point completely. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, it has silly googly eyes on the front, which in the abstract sounds ridiculous. Re- 
ridiculous. It does. It sounds so silly. But when it's actually a user interface for the people outside to know whether or not you are you are gone from the world or yes. whether you are with them, it's like, oh. And then when they talk about the special kind of display that it looks different from different angles so that your eyes always look like they are in your head instead of right. pasted on the front of the goggles. I can't wait to see that in, like, um, in person. I don't know when I ever will because I'll probably, probably be the user in the house and they'll be they <laughs> yeah. take a photo of me, but I'm not sure if the photo will be, do it justice. But if they nail that, and it sounds like they're pretty happy with where it'll end up in the final release. It's not ready quite yet because... Um, for the demos, because I think they're probably um, still working on the persona scanning is probably why the press didn't do it and why it's only, you know, shown in the, the pre-released video stuff so far. Yeah, and of course, the other thing with the with the beta of the operating system developers are playing with, it's all from the inside out yeah. because they're simulating it on a Mac or whatever, right. right? Yeah. So they're in a simulator. But even, like, just a thought... Of having an infinity screen, because yeah. that's what it is, right? That that's kind of what it is, yeah, and that you like, can put. It's like have have twenty iPads. Uh, the windows are like you know not iPad sized, uh, but they're full screen apps like iPads. But instead, they're like you know fifty inch. Uh, in your monitors, room. <laughs> and they're all full screen apps that you just have you know twenty thirty apps if you wanted to. You probably won't, but um, it it sounds like. The it's like we have these weird like four window four apps at a time when limitations on iPad OS. It sounds like this is like no, you can just run everything. And uh, part of the beauty of this is yeah. the rendering is what it'll probably like you know let you do that because it's just going to render what you're looking at and kind of like I don't know do some smart thing with depending on what app it is to like put it to sleep a little bit if, if it needs to. If you could do averted vision, what you probably find is that the stuff you're not looking at is like a blurred out frame with no detail in it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this on PSVR 2. I was watching someone play my unit uh, in GT7, and I could see where they were looking based on the social screen, the fidelity of the rendering. It's like, oh, he's not looking. Yeah, he's looking exactly there. (laughs) It's like, and it's real time, and you can't uh, perceive it so fast with that eye tracking in PlayStation. It's super fast, and I'm sure Apple's is even better. Um, just how fast and quick that rendering gets, yeah, yeah. And since the whole UI is based off using your eye as your mouse, yeah, the, the foveated rendering just makes all the sense in the world because they need to know where you're looking because yeah. otherwise they can't <laughs> do anything anyway. Yes. So you know, it's it's, it's not obtr- it's not intrusive. Yeah, and actually, the other thing that struck me to give an idea how not half baked this is. Privacy is already baked in. We already have, from day one, the APIs are already making sure that developers don't get your gaze tracking, right? So the yes. developers only know when you click with your fingers, you know, right. sort of the, the Q operating system. Uh, you know, you snap your fingers and things happen. It's more yeah. more gentle, obviously. I, I do but hope long-term um, game developers will have some special access where you can enable full eye tracking because... There are mechanics in games that you feel like a god, like in Synapse, where you're looking at a character and you lift them with your hand and smash them to the ground. And you only get that through eye tracking. So I hope they're in some future um, gaming API, uh, they allow stuff like that for games because it makes some games just work and other games it wouldn't even allow that possibility to exist. 
if you think of the Apple model of the world, it's it's app entitlements. So yes. at the moment, we have entitlements for can you access my contacts? Yeah. So I think can you access my eyes is just <laughs> going to be. I yes. mean, I don't phrase it that way, but you no, know, yeah, I mean. that's that's what it is. Yeah, we're so I'm curious. Uh, were you around for the transition from command line interface to GUI? How do I want to ask Cole if you were for that one? Uh, well, I, okay. So my first computer was it was an Amstrad PC clone. Okay. Uh, before Amstrad went belly up, and it was DOS three. Okay. So I remember, I remember when Windows was an app that you would run from the command line with the command Win. Oh, and yes. you would type win and that would launch Windows. And then eventually, when you got confident enough that Windows wasn't terrible, you put it in autoexec.bat and then the computer would run the command win on boot for you. And you would yes. think you'd boot it straight into Windows. Yes. And you would exit Windows to play games. You would go I, up, yeah, I remember that being click a on thing. the start menu. Yeah, would, I, I totally yeah. forgotten that era of my life because I was very young. And yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. yeah, and then Windows 95 was a game changer because Windows 3.1, like, I opened it for paint yeah. and write because I could run it to a drop matrix printer, but that was kind of it. Right. And to me, DOS was the world. <laughs> and, and then Windows 95 came along, and that was the, that was the game changer yeah. in, in terms of, okay, this is now a machine that is graphical. That is now the norm, and if I want a command, it's going to be this little floating black window inside of this graphical universe. And so that was absolutely a paradigm shift. And then moving from indirect mouse interaction to direct finger interaction on iOS is as big of a shift because people find the abstraction of I move the mouse to move the cursor to make the things happen to I put my finger on the thing. It's just way, like I put my finger on the thing is way easier. And I just look at the thing is now where we've gone, right? So the the new vision OS is I just look at a thing. Yeah. And it, it strikes me. Um, I was looking at the timetables here. Uh, so nineteen, just roughly 1984 to 2007. That's 23 years, and then 2024 to 2007. Um, that's 17 years. We're we're almost years. the same. Oh, we're six years away from like uh, taking them this long for another huge paradigm shift, which is wild to think because iOS feels so. It feels so new, but. <laughs> It's not. Well, isn't it strange to say that, you know, I remember phones before the iPhone. Yeah. And you say that to young people these days. What do you mean phones before the... Right. What, yeah. what you used to type letters with numbers? I was it's ter- like, yes, I was yes, we did. I never sent any texts because I was so slow. I was so oh, bad at that. I, 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 we thought those the Nokias with their five or six lines of text had these massive screens. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But, yeah, it's... Oh. Yeah, it's... And the... In, you know, so the the you know the Mac spurred off all these different form factors, laptops, desktops, and all in ones, and then iPhones spurred off iPad, Apple Watch, and you know all these different form factors. Uh, it'll be very curious to see what all form factors Vision OS spurs off. I know people are talking about glasses, which would be probably pure augmented reality without this um, VR mode, which I think will still have a place for the movie watching and some some applications. Like it'll be interesting to see the different form factors this OS spurs off because it'll have at least a couple, I think. Absolutely. I, the thing I have noticed is that at no point has any form factor I have ever used in my life gone away. Because people yeah. always talk about, blah is a blah killer. Yes. Never, 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 <laughs> never, 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 
right? It's yeah. always yes and. The iPad is a laptop killer. No, it isn't. The, <laughs> the only exception to that is the netbook which was just so compromised as to be awful. Yeah. It was a, a dead end on the tree of life and good riddance, right? Yeah. You know, the, the laptops came back to fill that niche, like the MacBook Adorable, which Apple yeah. have to bring that form factor they back. Now do. that they have the M series chips, they have to bring it. it back. Yeah, absolutely. With a better So keyboard. it's always... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Please. Yes. But it's, yeah, so the the form factors don't go away. So uh, to me, there's been the obvious paradigm shifts are in the UI, but there's been a second paradigm shift that's been going on. And that is, it's taken about two decades, but I think we're nearly there. And that is what I call the Star Trekification of our tech. So iCloud Mm -hmm. is the sleeper feature. Yes. We used to put things on devices. Yes. I put a file on a device and I had to do so much work to put it onto another device and to bring it with me. I need to make a presentation tomorrow. I need to put it on this floppy disk. I need to put it on this thumb drive. I need to put it in a thing. No, our our data exists in the cloud mm-hmm. and you pick up a device and you interact with it. Yeah. So the devices, your interactions, which to me is a Star Trek world, right? You don't hear Picard one minute he's talking on the, you know, to the computer My the next minute he's, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Because it was ready room and he picks up where he left off. You know, right. you go onto the big display on the back of the bridge or whatever. It's all just there. And we haven't had a, a ta-da moment. Yeah. But very, very slowly, we've gone from, okay, well, iCloud is now managing to sync the settings on this app without breaking. Thank you, iCloud. Oh, yeah. look, it's got my email in sync. Oh, my calendars are in sync. Mm-hmm. And little by little by little by little, all of our stuff is in sync. And yeah. we're now at the stage where when I get a new computer, I connect it to Office 365 and mm-hmm. I connect it to iCloud and I'm done. Yeah. Right? That's it. Yeah. No no more. I have to download all of my apps. No. And I think I the future my is settings. also... No. Um the same apps, well, the same, potentially the same purchase would run everywhere. Um, Vision OS. And we're getting there too. We're getting yeah. there. Um, yeah. yeah. The Mac has that l- very limited to the iOS and Vision OS world. It's, it's different. Yeah, but the foundation's been poured for that. Yeah, it has. Right? Because with the new, with the new APIs, um, Oh, I always get these mixed up. Not Catalyst. You can do universal purchase, right? Across, like, you could buy one app that does run on the Mac. Is that, like... There are universal purchases, but to me, the real foundation is is a layer below that, Mm -hmm. is that when Apple redid their APIs, two or three, it must be three three, um, developer conferences ago, so now you write, with basically with Swift UI is, is kind of what's done. Yeah. So you write the brains of your app in Swift, and those same brains exist from the watch to the television yeah. and to every size in between. And then you use the same basic syntax for describing your UI. So you say, I want a button, mm-hmm. but you have different size classes to handle the different displays. So... With SwiftUI, they've gone to a declarative syntax, which is very nerdy, but it's actually spectacularly important for us, the user, because you don't say how you want it. Yeah. You say what you want, and you let the developer tools give you the how. So you say that you need to have a certain type of interface, and then that will be made look right on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac, and in uh, Vision OS. Right. And that... As developers rewrite, make new apps from the ground up with 
this kind of a foundation from the basis, it becomes completely natural that everything will just exist on the different apps, yeah, on the different platforms, right. because everything's like that. The apps are like that. Your data is like that. Your settings can be like that. Right. Yeah. And that's the world I want to live in. You know, yeah. I need something quick and small because I'm on the go. I want an immersive experience. I, I you know, I'm, I'm in the kitchen. I'm cooking. I just want something I can set over there. Mm-hmm. These different form factors should determine what I use. Not, oh, yeah, well, this app doesn't run on this platform. And, oh, no, my, my document I'm working on isn't here. All of that's going away. And yeah. thank goodness. Yeah. No, it's great. And so as a version of one, from what I've seen, hardware-wise, it seems like they, they've been put way... Go work in this for like seven, eight years or whatever, <laughs> because um, the hardware, the technology is finally at a point where they can ship a minimal viable experience. And for this kind of product, it needs to be so damn good that yeah, it right. tricks you into believing your, these cameras, your, the screen you're seeing through is real life. Because if it doesn't do that, it's not going to succeed. So in my you know, looking over what Apple's other version ones, is this the best version one hardware-wise they've shipped? I'm, I wasn't around for Mac 128K at the time. At the time, was that as much of a... Hmm. Or, yeah. That's an interesting question, because I think the iPhone was pretty well-baked in terms of its hardware. Yeah, now, the, I know the that fluid's the, the... rolling from day one. Um, it quickly saw its age with apps... Um, and right, because the OS, the yeah. OS, the OS was very basic, right? Because every app yes. ran as root. Yes. The, I mean, the, the the veneer was there, but under the hood, the 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 OS was very rough. Yeah. But the hardware, like the, it was the direct touch to be believable. Yes. It has to be fast enough to keep up with you. Yes. And it's the same problem with Vision OS. And I I think they have done as well in the two. So I would I would say that the first iPhone is is of equal MVP to this. I, yeah. I think they're equal. The difference being that this is just so much harder yes. that it could not have been done before before now. now. Yeah. Like, yeah, the screens the screens I can't wait to see cuz so I've uh, PSVR 2 is 2x per eye, 2k per eye. And, um, and this is 4k per eye. And this is double that. Yeah, it's over. It's a little bit over 4K per eye. And um, I do struggle with some text reading within PSVR 2 and like doubling that. Oh, this is just going to be just, you know, stellar. I can't wait to see what, you know, just apps and reading stuff will look like in here because the screens are going to be just so incredible. Well, it literally has to be retina quality. It does. Yes. And for gaming, you, you know, it does the trick for most stuff, and it's HDR, and, you know, when you're looking at the sun in some games, it kind of kind of blinds you a little bit. You got to look away. Wow. <laughs> so the, the, the trick is well, there cool. for HDR stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this tech. Actually, yeah. with moving content, your eye naturally blurs things. So for a gamer stuff, the bar is way, way lower. Whereas what Apple are trying to do here is to have a desktop operating system that's in your head, for want of a better term. And so if I'm going to be sitting here working through an Excel spreadsheet trying to pull some information out of a blob of data, I I actually do need it to be indistinguishable from reality, right? I I really need to be able to see that text with all of its perfect anti-aliasing, and it needs to look perfect. Yeah, otherwise you're going to get a headache real quick trying to... Yeah, or you're going to 
try to make the text bigger, which is not a good experience to. Well, I guess you can physically pull it forward, right? You can you can physically grab the window and pull it towards you. Yeah, and I, I think Apple's encouraging this default distance from an eye very strongly. Yeah, from an eye health and uh, comfort standpoint, like they didn't show, like in my head, they they. they and I'm curious, like they didn't show someone working on a virtual sheet of paper on the desk, looking down on the table in front of them, uh, which theoretically you no. could do. But I, in you know, thinking it over, maybe it's the like the it can do that stuff, but your eye won't appreciate that long term, and that's probably not going to be healthy for your eye. And probably working at that off in the distance, you know, setup is the better thing for now until they can get um, variable, like an actual physical moving focal plane within uh, the device. Well, they, yeah. they talked about it on one of the developer ones. I think it was the principles of spatial design. Yeah. And they talk about some of these things. And so it the stuff, is, there's a default radius around you and it is actually a sphere. And yeah. by default, your apps go onto that sphere. Right. And they say quite clearly that this is where things are comfortable. Unless you have a really good reason to, you don't come forward or back on that Z-axis. So by all means, let the user push things away to take it out of their... Yes. I, I'm not dealing with this now. Go away. Yeah, further away. No, Just in a, yeah. yeah. But but in terms of working, it's very much you have this default sphere on which your apps sit and they go around you. And by yeah. default, it is very much around you. Yeah, which makes total sense. I've been I've been studying and working on my own vision over the past many years and improving it. And that totally makes sense as to why you'd want, if that focal length is set up in the headset, uh, primarily use it there. Like have short glances yeah. down... Um, to see the real world and maybe there's a short glance down at like a music player where you can tap player pause. I don't know if this is a thing where you could actually tap a physical um, like could I tap a play button? Can you tap a play button or do you need to use the, the little gesture? No, no, you, you can have virtual keyboards that are basically painted onto a table. Okay. Yeah. So, so the APIs. So it is a spatial OS. So the APIs detect the shape of the room. And yeah. as a developer, you can you can stick things to real-world things. So you can put your app on the table. And I can tap on things <laughs> within that app. And you can tap okay. on things on the table. So the table becomes your working surface. So if you were doing some sort of a DJ app or something, you could have the table in front of you become your deck and, or whatever. And this OS, unlike iPad OS, which has multi-window, but... Sorta. It's really hard to do like, um, pan- what do you call those? Like panels, um, where those like toolbox panels and stuff. It's hard to do that. With yeah, pop-ups. pop-ups uh, yeah, pop-ups are just not a natural like, thing auxil- on the iPad's yeah. interface. Auxiliary windows, auxiliary windows. Um, in the Vision yeah. OS, it seems like. Uh, that's- do you know what they're called? What are they called? Yeah. So in the if you look at the developer docs, they actually have a name for them in in Vision OS. They're called adornments. Oh, I love that. Yeah, isn't that so sweet? I, I love sweet. that. And they actually say that you should have them slightly towards you. Yeah, and they don't need to be connected to the main window. Yeah, which as long as they're close yeah. enough, your brain will go, yeah, that's together. Yeah, and so your panel Mac can float more than iPad in that regard. Mm. Yeah, the Mac does this all the time. Um, but they do recommend them being closed, but you can move them anywhere you want to, like Crouton's doing with timers yes. spread across the room. 
um, yes, someone could make a little touch touch bar uh, that sits on your desk. A little <laughs> the Mac touch yeah. bar come back, come back. Apple could even make a, a little uh, huge, uh, huge huge touch bar uh, if they wanted yeah, to. Yes, suppose they could put yeah. on your table. Um, which yeah, would be uh, yes, actually, um, yeah. Well, for certain applications, it would be very powerful. Yeah, so yeah, th- there's a lot so. of possibility here. Uh, but out of the box, it will do very clever things like take your your menu bars and instead of them being a menu bar top of your screen, they become an adornment above your window and yeah. stuff like that. Music uh, composition apps could have a virtual piano on the table in front of you. Yes. And that would be the input. Like they've tried this on iPad. I don't think it truly succeeds there. I always want to use the MIDI keyboard because it's a little bit too small on iPad or whatever. But having a full size, too constrained. Having a full size piano or drum kit or whatever, that seems like that could be interesting. Um, yes, and I, I think what the iPad suffers from is there's just not enough space. You right. feel cramped. You feel constrained. Yeah, and that's what I've always struggled with with computers. I have always yes. wanted more monitors, bigger monitors. I like I I am in in physical space. I am a big desk person. I don't like having stuff obscured. So if I'm working on five things, I want them spread out and I want to be able to keep them spread out. So I always have big L-shaped desks. Yeah. And in virtual space, I want the same. And it has been a perpetual fight. And that is what excites me the most, I think, about Vision OS is that I can spread out. I can just spread out. And as long as the stuff is clustered, it makes perfect sense, which is how you'd work on a real desk as well, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm working on this you know, presentation or whatever. I have a all of the stuff for Keynote is here and the adornments are close by, but next to it is my research from Wikipedia and my research from this, a couple of bits and bobs. Yeah. And that's just a little cluster here. And then I can literally turn around in space and do something else. And when I turn back, everything's exactly where I left it. And it's it's where I left it in physical space. Yes. Which is a bit mind blowing yeah, to think I, that you can put your virtual yeah. documents in physical space, and that when you, even if you walk away, mm-hmm. they'll stay where you put them. I, I, I so want to test how good this memory is. Like, can I like commute if I had a, a commuting job? Commute to work, leave Windows there, come home. Uh, it remembers where stuff is in my basement, my bedroom, like. How good? How, how like can it store like I thousands don't know. of windows? And when does it start to, to forget stuff? One cool idea I heard is like the idea of a very simple app of putting pictures on your wall with cute frames, and maybe they're even live mm. photos that when you look at them, they'll play the live photo roll briefly, and they're kind of like in the background. <laughs> Why but, not? Yeah, yeah. But in that situation, you'd probably have a ton of wind. If you use this app a lot, you'd have a ton of windows de- decorating your environment. And um, potentially you can even have stuff that looks like it's standing up on your desk, like a little, you know, picture on a, a you know, a stand up frame or whatever. Um, so that yeah. I'm curious about apps like that. Could that really work in this way we're thinking? Yeah, I know that w- when you put the headset on, it does a room sort of scan. So I don't yeah. know what survives between sessions. Uh, yeah, it's got a. Re- yeah, I wonder how many rooms it remembers. And does right, it- exactly. Because because yeah. I know we have timer apps where you can like. I want a timer for the eggs. Put it on the eggs. Yeah. Right. Literally, put the timer <laughs> on the saucepan that contains the eggs. Yeah. Which is such a cool idea. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that that memory. I'm I'm just so curious about it because that that'll be very interesting for stuff like that. And there's that whole idea of you hit the button to as you do on every other headset record a memory. Center. And like when you do that, oh yes, yes, will it only recenter stuff from that room so it knows what room you're in? 
Hopefully. Well, you see, but the apps, the windows in your apps exist in, in, well, they exist in multiple possible states, but sort of the two most obvious states are they are either in the air. Yes. Or they are on a thing. Yes. So when you recenter the apps, I think it's the ones that are in the air that will recenter, not the ones on a thing, because they're anchored right. to the thing. So what anchor points? Are walls anchor points? Uh, furniture? What, like, what are the various things? Surfaces. Points? Basically, it, it scans for surfaces. And then, so the API is thinking surfaces. Okay. And you as the developer say, my thing can sit on a vertical surface or a horizontal surface or something bigger than so big or whatever. Like, I'm just, you know, I, I don't remember the exact function calls. But the developer is basically, yeah. yeah, they have to interact with this concept of surfaces. Mm-hmm. Abstracted. Um an iPad on a stand, could that be a surface where you're like putting something over the iPad screen? Um, I almost certainly could be because what, what I sort of envision that you could end up buying is like photo frames with some sort of a barcode on them. Yes. That gives them some sort of an ID that maps them to a central service and that anyone with a headset who walks by and sees a frame with that barcode will get the appropriate image of the day. Yeah. So that it's not your your headset remembering a thing, but your headset recognizes... Oh yeah, that's a doohickey from Bladdy Black Company, you know, yeah. Bart's Magic Frames. Yeah. And then when it goes off and it looks up the ID and it says, oh, today that's a picture of a butterfly. Right. That'd be so cool. This episode is sponsored by Agenda, which recently rolled out version 18. In this quick break, I want to share a little bit about how I use the collaboration feature in Agenda to create this show. For those that want a really deep dive into Agenda, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode 168 of my other podcast, iPad Pros, where I spoke with Alex, the co-founder of Agenda. So on to collaboration and Agenda. Agenda is an incredible native app for iPhone, iPad, and the Mac. They've also shared with me that they'll be on Vision OS at launch next year. With version 16 of Agenda, they rolled out a very thought-out and rock-solid collaboration feature that lets you collaborate with any Agenda note using all the tools you have in Agenda to create a rich note filled with images, Apple Pencils, sketches, tables, and much more. This has been my go-to way to work with guests since the feature was introduced. To collaborate on a note, you simply hit the little collaboration icon in the top right of the note next to the calendar icon. From there, you can invite anyone with the URL, or for those you've already collaborated with, you can pick them from a list of previous people you've worked with. If you use Agenda for both personal and work uses, you can even set up different names to say share an Agenda note with the name Dad if you are working with your children on a note, and then you can use your professional name for work collaborations. When you open an Agenda link, your web browser will open up that link with a very straightforward process to get started with Agenda if you've never used the app before, and it will let you choose where in your Agenda library you want to store that note. Those you are sharing with can do full collaborations without spending a single penny and do all this from the free version of Agenda on iPad, Mac, or iPhone. If you or any of your collaborators decide to stop sharing that note, the latest version of that note will be saved locally for you to keep and continue to work with. Data for shared notes are encrypted before upload and when stored in the cloud. Agenda Collaboration has become my new go-to way to work with guests for this podcast and is a tool I can't imagine doing without. If you haven't tried Agenda Collaboration, I'd really encourage you to give it a try. Collaboration is one of the many incredible premium features if you are the one sharing the note. But as with all Agenda Premium features, you just have to pay the once and you'll keep all the premium features offered when your year is up on that subscription. Or you can now opt for the new Lifetime Unlock, which will unlock the full power of Agenda on all your Apple devices, including Vision OS next year, 
with a single one-time purchase. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. Download Agenda 18 for free from the App Store. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of Vision Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Your office setup is... I see a wall behind you very close. Is there a wall in front of you? Like One question I have yeah. is... Um, so for me, I've got the, all the space behind me. Like when I work in Vision OS, I might just want to turn my chair around and kind of work in work the rest the other of way. this. And I don't know if I like get a new. I don't know. I get a little table on wheels where I can just put that in front of me for the keyboard and stuff. Um, do you think like yeah. for people that don't have all this extra space behind them, or whatever, that that uh, virtual reality mode that gets like would that do the trick to give you the space to work with? Um, well, yeah. So if if you're in a place where you just want reality to go away, you can basically say, I'd like to work on Mount Hood today. Right. Uh, and then, then you have infinity space in front of you. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So and then part you of me the, thinking... And the partial where you can just have the stuff in the distance be virtual and then the stuff closer to you be more real. Um, yeah, because yeah. it is a dial, which is kind of an interesting concept because everything else has been VR or AR. Yes. Whereas in Apple's universe, it's like, well, how much? Right? It's now <laughs> become a spectrum. That. Yeah. 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 And that, again, with the whole, this is not half baked. Like, how do you come up with something so thought through and, as your version and one when product? you're in VR, someone can, if they get close enough, can, can poke in so you see them. Which I, is I great because yeah. I, I play VR. And I, I have the pass-through audio in, so the mic pack picks up room noise a bunch so I don't accidentally, you know, hit somebody or I'm more aware of what's going on in the room. But um, it would be nice if don't someone... Don't get frightened out of your living skin. Yes, yes, it can be. Especially in the Resident Evil Village, that game, I'm already on edge. Um, yeah, a, a tap on the shoulder. Ah! Yes, exactly. <laughs> and... Uh, it would be so nice if someone could just poke in and it just pauses the game or whatever. And that, that, that seems like a, a no brainer feature for other things to adopt. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's what in the APIs, right? And again, that ties us back to the Google eyes and the outside. So at the point in time where the inside view notices the person and breaks them into your VR is the point in time when the eyes get, when, when the weird fuzzy pattern becomes yes. the eyes. Yeah. So when they break into your vision, your eyes break into their view. Th- those yeah. two are connected really, events. Yeah. So this sort of has me thinking. So at the moment, I have my, my L-shaped desk in a corner because mm-hmm. that makes, in a world of physical screens, that makes sense, which means when I turn to my right, I'm looking at the door. And so I, I don't, I never want my back to the door. No, I hate never. having my back to the door. Yep. So basically at the moment, I have the door here on my right and I have my window on my left. But what if I turn my desk and I ended up sitting facing the door? Yeah. At the moment, I wouldn't do that because the screen would have the glare of the window. Yes. Uh, no such thing in a virtual no world. Yeah. That's something I'm very excited for is like, Working outside has never been fun <gasps> because you always have glare. No matter how fall or spring of a day it is, there's always mm. glare. The screens are never bright enough. The iPhone 14 Pro is probably the first screen that's usable outside, uh, or the Apple Watch Ultra, I think. It's not fun, thing. though. You're right. It's yeah. not fun. It overheats the, the iPhone pretty quickly as well. But this, as long as it's not like a 100-degree day, it's like a nice fall or spring day, there's potential to be work on your, your little patio outside, your 
That could be. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. My garden is more than big enough to have all of the windows in it. <laughs> yes. Now, Apple's never demoed or shown or encouraged working like outside in your backyard, but I, I'm curious how well that would work. Um, yeah. Jesus. That's. Oh. Oh. Jesus. I may need a, I need a more comfy patio chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> That that's I hadn't even thought of that. The other thing is I could I, I could see myself in the, like I work at a university. We have a lot of th- thanks to COVID, we have a lot of outdoor areas for sitting. Yeah, uh, they they put up like sunshades, so basically giant big can big canvas yeah. coverings. There's massively open areas under canvas. Right, but you can just students love sitting out there. But yeah. I could just sit out there and just work. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very or under a tree. Yeah, because. Yeah, I'm very curious. The scanning for outdoors, is that just not a part of this? And it, well, it's LiDAR, right? Yeah, it is LiDAR. But it's LiDAR. So if there's a surface, but particularly if you're in the mode where you're not anchoring your windows. Right. Because right? if you're in that normal desktop mode, they're on that virtual sphere around your head. Yeah, if you're on a patio, so, you can probably anchor the table and stuff in the nearby vicinity. If you wanted to, but yeah. I don't think you necessarily need to anchor anything, no. right? No, you wouldn't. So if, if, you're, if you're just, particularly if you're... If you're in an input mode, I think you need a table. Uh, for a keyboard. But not a, yeah, be it virtual or physical. Yeah. But a, a lot of the time you're in a digesting mode. Right. Right? You're, you're analyzing, you're looking, you're exploring. And you can use voice input uh, to do your searches and Safari or whatnot. Um, and a lot of scrolling and manipulating, which is your hands, yeah. you don't actually need to anchor a single window to anything. No. That, that can exist really comfortably in the floaty mode yes where you have the virtual sphere i mean astronomy has always been a love of mine so yeah. I, I we we pretend the stars are on a sphere around our heads and to some extent this is exactly the same model here we're pretending these windows are on a sphere around our head so it's not yeah. the celestial sphere it's the app <laughs> sphere yeah but that's fine right so if right. you're sitting in your garden just sitting back in a lounge chair i mean heck you could lie down why couldn't your apps be in the air yes yes <laughs> it could be totally yeah yeah, cloud I mean, background. I, yeah, know? I could. Yeah, for a change of ergonomics, as you know, people are sitting mm-hmm. all day. Uh, lie down on on the floor, maybe you know, depending on the floor or whatever. Uh, you know, you, well, Roman style. You know, lounge back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the Hollow Man movie. When you look up at the ceiling, it's like you should be working right now, and now you could be working <laughs> at the ceiling. Uh, Precisely. Yeah. And it's kind of the opposite of the universe we all thought we wanted, which is a minority report, yes. which ergonomically would be a disaster. Your hands are up like, all the time. And... Yeah, I mean, we don't have biceps like Arnold Schwarzenegger or yes. whatever, but it, it's ergonomically terrible idea. But that's that's kind of the interface we have with this, you know, sphere of apps. Only the difference is our hands can just be lying anywhere. Yes. Yeah. They don't have to be in the air. Uh, there's so many possibilities here. Like this, this parrot, like I say, it is a whole new paradigm. It is, it is just a whole new way of doing it's things. Interesting. Cause so the Mac and, you know, the iPhone came out and they both exist and coexist. And one doesn't really replace the other, really, as you said. And yeah, this feels like it has more of a potential, especially with later form factors of pure AR mode glasses or something to, um, to replace some of the you know computers in your life, I I still don't see I don't see the word I may I don't know I'm still not sure replaces where it's going to go because if I'm sitting in a meeting or something I would much prefer to have a subtle laptop mm. 
and just be fully in the meeting without any sort of a headset on. I, I still want to be able to sometimes it's like, why do I like a desktop sometimes or a laptop sometimes? It's because there are times I like to think of it as at my desktop, I settle into work. Right, yes. I I go to a place and I settle in. Yeah, and if anything goes away, the desktop is the most likely to go away. It is, but I yeah. don't think the yeah, yeah. I think the i I think the Apple Watch and the iPhone are the safest. I think the iPad and the Mac oh, are yeah. the the ones that are more striking target of what this could eventually remove the needle i would no i would say the ipad is is in the middle ground it's still pretty safe i think the the desktop and laptop are the ones that to me are are the most troubled because while i say the laptop is nice to have in a meeting the ipad is actually better to have a meeting yeah because it's basically your computing world on a slab and so this (laughs) this movable thing that's light and easy to move around is your little piece of digital space that you're bringing with you in real space yeah Whereas, yeah, my, my Mac Studio, I settle into. So yeah. I sit down at a desk to work here. I don't yeah. see any reason why I couldn't sit down and put a headset on and, and work here because that's kind of what it's for. Right. And a laptop is kind of a portable desktop, right? Right. That's how we use laptops. Yeah. But my tab, my iPad is used for very different things to my laptop. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, I, and um, I would replace it instantly if it broke or whatever. Yeah. And the Mac's the thing that may. <laughs> It sticks. It sticks around because of the unique apps and skills it can do that won't be supported in Vision OS. I think for a while that's what, that's going to wear the longevity of the Mac. It's only a uh, restraint that Apple is uh, putting on Vision OS, so it doesn't you know do things it doesn't want to in a way. Well, I guess the Mac has a the Mac has a couple of different roles it does. So, and the one thing it's doing for us at the moment is big screen, right? Laptops can never do big screen, yeah. iPads can never do big screen. So, the Mac's job is big screen and that job is in danger. But the Mac's other job is raw oomph. Right. Yeah. The Mac yeah, Studio horsepower. is an amazing machine yeah. because it has horsepower. Yes. And the Mac Pro is an astonishing machine because it has horsepower. Yes. And the, the the A workhorse that's a thing you're going to want for yeah. a long, long time. So I did, I think the Mac is safe. The high-end Macs are safe. Right. But the iMac, the Mac Mini, the, the MacBook, mm-hmm. nah, pro- probably much, much less so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know there's some Mac-only apps, but I wonder how long that... Like, Audio Hijack, um, that's a very special niche use case. But yeah, and... Yeah, will the apps get like Final Cut Pro and, and Xcode? Will that stuff get advanced enough where it's on the same level in Vision OS it is on Mac? Will they bring those to the feature parity at some point? I think they will, particularly in particularly because what you have is an M series processor. So it's it's actually very clever that they have broken the processor into two in mm-hmm. the Vision OS. So you have one processor whose job it is to be a computer, yeah, and you have an entirely separate processor whose job it is to do the magic of Vision Pro, yes. And that means that that M two processor is a Mac. Like it, it just it is a Mac. It, it just has a slightly different skin on it at the moment, and there's no earthly reason that it can't develop all the same APIs, that it can't have all the same functionality that your Mac can have now. Especially because they have been re-engineering macOS 
to layer on the security layers we have come to expect from iOS, those two OSs have come very, very close together architecturally. Yeah. It's just that there are more entitlements made available to developers. But philosophically, architecturally, there is no technical reason the iPad couldn't offer an app entitlement to do everything Audio Hijack does. There's no technological reason. It's just Apple don't see the point in putting engineering into making that an API with an entitlement. And if Apple but it's not sees, technically impossible. Yeah, if Apple sees Vision OS as the next desktop environment, maybe they do see, hey, let's give this thing as much developer power as we can so that can be right. reality. Yeah, and like in the early days of the Mac, the reason apps could do more on the Mac was because they were literally unconstrained. So you yeah. as a developer could write code that ran in the kernel with full operating system level privileges. So the code was a peer of Apple's code, which is stupendously dangerous from a stability and security point of view. And developers railed against the idea of taking that away. But very, very, very slowly, piece by piece, Apple have pulled it back and pulled it back and pulled it back to the point where as now with the M series processors and the latest versions of Mac OS, Developers can't just shove any code. Like they, they, you can only do a kernel extension through very limited APIs. You can, like, there are entire folders that don't exist anymore. Yeah, audio hijack. Uh, you need a user that's very incentivized to use that app because you have to do some very. How do you install that app on audio hijack? Get the right oh no, these days it's fine because there are more entitlements, oh, right? So, so Apple okay. have continued to make they the entitlement. Have. So okay. I didn't have to jump through any hoops to get audio hijack. Like this Mac Studio is yeah. new. And I just installed Audio Hijack and it went, oh, this app needs permission to do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yeah, sure, you can have those permissions because oh, nice. Apple have yeah. been working to basically replace replace superpower mm-hmm. by sort of super superpower by default with no rights by default, but a massive menu of entitlements. And as they've expanded the menu of entitlements, they've been pulling back what the developers can do the old-fashioned way, which is through raw power. And so now with the overlay operating system, there the, the entire system folder is unwritable by root. Like mm. the root user can't write to the system folder because that's actually two, uh, two uh, file systems overlaid on top of each other. And the operating system is literally read-only, mm. which from a malware security point of view is amazing. And from a not messing up your Mac by installing this app point of view is also amazing. Yeah. But developers have had to get used to the fact that the entire forward slash system folder is effectively gone. Yeah. Even with root power, they can't write to it. Huh. But Apple have re- have been replacing it with APIs that allow them to do what they need to do in a controlled way. So we are so far along on that in the last decade, and that's been a decade in the making. Yeah. But that's why I am very confident that Vision OS apps will have all the same power as Mac apps because the Mac mm. has been re-engineered that its power is no longer from the old-fashioned I can do anything on root yeah. and is all based on entitlements now. So you can just bring that model with yeah, you. Yeah, so the long-term future is, yeah, those entitlements, and hopefully those come to iPad at some point, too. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. But, well, yeah, but there's no technological reason they couldn't be brought there today yes. because the model has the, the model has been brought in sync. Yes. And they again, like with iCloud, they brought the model in sync slowly, slowly, slowly. There was no yeah. big bang. It was just little by little by little. And Apple have said many times at WWDC that they're laying foundations. Well, now we have seen why. Why were these foundations this shape? Why were they doing these things? Well, now we know why. It's for this independence of, not just independence of resolution, which is what we, we were pretty sure, ah, yeah, it's about different size of iPhones. 
or maybe different mm-hmm. sizes of iPads, right? Yeah, Resolution it's, it's, independence. It's screen apps on iPad, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's actually about paradigm independence. Yeah. You you write an app that can be used on a touch, with a mouse, with a keyboard in Vision OS. So the APIs and stuff are now to the point where it's all genericized out to, to you have paradigm independence as well as resolution independence. Yeah. I, I, as, as a computer scientist, what Apple have done under the hood that your average user doesn't know why this is great, mm-hmm. but the effect is great. It's so impressive. The computer science that Apple are doing is so impressive. The, yeah. This is really well-engineered stuff. And they re-engineered the building while we were all in it, right? They have <laughs> rebuilt the entire building around us while we've been in it. At no point in time have, have they done a massive disconnect where they've said, yeah, this is, like, not since Mac OS, like, since we switched from classic OS to, to the modern Mac yes. OS ten, which has now gone to 11. Yeah. 22 years we have been in what we think is the same building. Yeah. It's unrecognizable architecturally, computer science-wise, it is unrecognizable to what it was at 10.0. Yeah. And at no point did we feel, oh, we've had to leave for a, you know, for a couple of years while they rebuild everything. Mm-hmm. We've just been in the house living away happy. Yeah. But they've completely redesigned it. We've gone from having like coal-powered central heating to <laughs> having a heat, a heat pump. Yeah. And we haven't noticed. Yeah. And as I say, look, I'm a computer scientist by training and this stuff just kind of, I, I yeah. like good engineering. Yeah. And Craig Federici is one of my heroes because that that man's vision is very important to Apple. We know Johnny Ive is important, but from a computer science point of view, Craig Federighi is as important to why Apple is Apple. Yeah. And I don't think he gets nearly the credit he should. Yeah. Um. So earlier, we, we've just kind of, mentioned and hinted at the hand gestures as part of this um mm. some i'm curious for very detailed and precise work like video editing podcast editing uh, will that translate to pure hand tracking like and can developers do custom gestures are custom gestures enabled like i, I don't know I'm put a hand up like that to like stop or something and slice um or I don't kind think of, they're in yeah. the AP. I don't think they're in the current APIs. Okay. But again, if you think back to the first versions of iOS, the APIs available to developers were also less, and then Apple added more. We, you know, triple triple touch and yes. all these kind of things. So, I don't think there's any reason that you won't get the APIs improving over time. And it's something I think. I haven't. I don't have any little birdies. I'm right. just thinking, what would be the logical thing to do? Yeah. And I think you're going to start having APIs for things like map a pencil into the operating system, so you can have a a physical thing that is purely a dummy, right? It's it's for the point of view of ergonomics. It has no brain. Yeah, it's completely it's all, stupid. Yeah, it's just apple, comfortable. A dead apple pencil. Let me use a dead apple. Pencil. Correct. Right. So something you like in your hand and then that the operating system can handle the fact that you're moving it around because I want I want to use a stylus for the ergonomics of it. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, and I don't want it to have any brain. Right. Imagine uh, handwriting with the, the stylus and um, you're just writing on the table and you're able to see the results. out. In the, and in actually, I, I, I'm going to correct myself. I do want it to have a brain. I don't want it to be tracking where it is in space because the Vision OS can do that. Pressure. I want it to be tracking. The, yeah, exactly. I want it to be tracking the pressure very precisely. For art. Yeah. So actually yeah. we do. Yeah. In fact, the current Apple Pencil has that actually. Is, is the pressure sensitive in the screen or in the pencil's nib? The moment is probably <laughs> in the screen. I think it. I think it's in between the layers of the screen at the moment. Well, but the, y- y- no. Um, 
the or both the crayon does not support pressure sensitivity the pencil does yes which leads me to believe it's in the pencil it must but, be in the pencil yeah. okay no that's good yeah i like your thinking there the other thing that just immediately springs to my mind is um you could imagine a purely mechanical device where you have a roller ball that doesn't have any ink right imagine like a roller ball with yeah. no ink so that it's not scratching your surfaces <laughs> yeah. right but if that roller ball is on a spring well then you have the perfect pressure sensitive device yeah. that you can use on any surface, right? Because right. there's no reason that ball has to be tiny because it's precision. Again, it, it doesn't care about the location. All it's tracking, it has to be ergonomically comfortable mm-hmm. so that you, the human, can make small movements. Yes. But it, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be tiny little tip because yeah. it's going to be projected into virtual space. So again, the possibilities for clever input devices. Yeah. Very high here. Uh, yeah, so the yeah. more specialized work, you're going to want an interface that is good. So, you know, yeah, the interesting I think there's like a lot of apps like Ferrite. I'd imagine they'd have to ship with some limited hand tracking way to use this app at all. But for those that actually mm. want to use this as a power user and actually do intensive edits, get a keyboard and trackpad like you do on an iPad. Um, yeah, well, I could imagine it, them having a custom. A custom virtual interface that you would anchor to a t- to a surface. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you could even put pu- custom buttons. You could like they have the custom keyboard shortcuts. You have a custom button. I have cut. Uh, select all the following after the cut. Uh, have the button for move to you know the playhead, and you could have a custom layout for all your commands that you right. use. <laughs> I like that. Right. There's absolutely yeah. no reason developers can't develop the, the their own custom UIs because they can have as many windows as they want. So they can anchor a control surface to a, to a flat surface and then make that control surface be whatever makes sense for their app. Yes. And then have the visual stuff in front of you so you can see all the waveforms in front of you. Yes. But you have a very intuitive control which may have giant big sliders that are just impossible to miss that you can move very precisely with your finger and they already do some custom stuff with like when you're stripping silence you're you have the slider for you know the different uh, duration between silences and what the decibel level is for the thresholds so for that translating to vision os if you do it smartly you could have that as like a custom thing just on the, the table in front of you um i mean you mentioned that earlier but the the touch bar on steroids is what you could do virtually with yeah. Vision OS, and you'd want you'd want a single window that transforms. So, like when you're doing strip silence, it's the strip silence. When you're editing, it's all right. your edit buttons. So it's one like one big giant huge touch bar control surface control surface yeah. that transforms based on the tasks you're doing. Um, and well, you could also think of it like two. You could think of it as two iPads, basically, right? So right. one of the, the like with an app like Ferrite at the moment, half the screen is showing you stuff and half the screen is touch input. Yeah. But there's no reason you couldn't disconnect those two and have one in front of you and one below you and have the same smarts. Yeah. In fact, as a developer thinking Swift UI wise, you could literally have them be the same thing, but just when you're in Vision OS, they're separated and you, you use touchy controls down here. And when you're on the iPad, they have to click them together because the iPad can't do that magic trick. Yeah. But in terms of how they design and think of the portability as a user, I know how to use this app. I'm completely familiar with it. And now I move into a completely different paradigm, but my familiarity has followed me. Yes. Yeah. It- I'm reminded of this vision I've had for many years of a mythical Apple product where it's uh, a laptop, but both 
things are screens and the bottom screen transforms into keyboard and other things. And Apple's never created that, but I've always envisioned when are they going to do that? Yeah. The, the only time I'm even vaguely excited about foldables is not phones. It's, it's a tablet like device where you could have a horizontal control surface. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in the beginning, keyboard and trackpad will be essential because I think it may take some yeah. time for developers to fully grasp this stuff and embrace it. Um, well, it's on two sides, right? Because mm-hmm. Apple's developers have to make the APIs available in such a way that the developers have the power to do the kind of things we're just spitballing here. Yes. You know, because again, like you're saying, there's going to have to be... So maybe you could have that the gaze tracking is allowed on the control surface, right? So you could imagine a permission developed by Apple where, where an app can say, this app would like to track your eyes, but only on its own windows. Mm. So they don't have these scary rights to follow your eyes everywhere and and hence do all sorts of horrible spying on you. Yes. But you could have a more, like we currently have with the Photos app, where you can give an app really quite fine-grained access to your Photos app. You could imagine fine-grained eye-tracking control. Yeah. Yes, this app can track my eyes on its control surface, but it can't right. track my eyes anywhere else. Yeah. You know, so th- mm-hmm. again, but if we imagine having a physical device being mapped into the virtual world, there had to be APIs for that. Yeah. Because again, right now, that's not supported by the current version of the OS. And in, um, in so PSVR2, yeah. they have Blink uh, data as well for games. So uh, one of the best uh, examples of this is Before Your Eyes. This is a game entirely controlled through eye tracking. Um, it re- reacts to the stuff you're looking at. But primarily, you move through the game based on when you blink. And when you blink, <laughs> the scene moves along. And you may miss stuff because you can't keep your eyes open long enough to see the full scene. And ah. that's part of the thing. And the game's trying to make you cry at times. So it's very emotional. Okay. So that game cannot exist in Vision of now. But um, imagine blinking as a way to, you know, you look at something, you blink as a way to signal yes. Um, I, I believe there's accessibility stuff now where you can yeah. stare at stuff for a long time and it'll eventually trigger that as an okay response. Yeah, dwell. They call it dwell. Uh, so basically, it's, you could do dwell-based interaction. And I think it's like two seconds or something. Okay, so not too long. T- but it'd be nice. Yeah, blink, I mean, it, it, it would be a nice it, kind of interface. Because also, like, I believe when you're behind screens like this, your blink rate is not as quick. So a blink interface would actually encourage blinking, which may actually be good to get, you know, water on your eyes and stuff. Good to you. Yeah, which is healthy. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, the more maybe the more natural the displays are, the more likely we are to blink because so. our brain hasn't hasn't thought. Oh, this is weird. Yeah, that that's, that is possible. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, the eye health stuff. I'm super curious about because, um, you know that that right before this they showed you know the awesome iPad and iPhone feature of moving the iPad away, which I've been using the summer. It's been really helpful for me reminding myself when I'm have that iPad up <laughs> and uh yeah. So I'm curious. Um. With this focal distance, with the screen tech, is it uh, is it is it healthier for your eyes than using an iPhone all day long? I would hope so, but maybe not. Uh, yeah, and maybe that's something that will evolve over time as well, and it may it may tweak what Apple does for version two, version three, etc. The right. hardware. Yeah. And then, um, so primarily, we've seen so far from you know developers their ipad apps being brought over the vision os as you know simple you know updates and some are doing more with it uh one thing i'm curious about 3d elements um this is something new for pretty much most developers of you can have this 3d object that's a part of your app yeah how do you think that'll manifest um short and and long term 
Okay, so initially there's going to be a whole bunch of gimmicks is what's yes. going to happen as, as developers. You know, yeah. I, I mean, we all remember that iOS started off with fart apps and flashlights, yeah. right? That, that was where iOS started yeah. and then it became imaginative and useful. So I'm sure there will be a whole bunch of silly gimmicks. I mean, um, the, the very basic thing, imagine, I was talking about the photo frame thing that uh, I heard from Devin of, of Crouton uh, speak about. Uh, you could have desk ornaments of different uh, you know, little statues on your desk. as uh, Just a very simple thing if you wanted. Well, so as a developer, the APIs are basically, you can have a flat surface to build on, or you can have a three-dimensional volume to build in. So if and you're... I thought you could have 3D objects within a... Can you have 3D objects within Well, they're basically within, within a virtual... Well, they're... Or does that have to be in the volume? Well, no. So what you actually have is not a window. What you then have is a virtual cube. Yes, yes. Right? That, that's the model that the operating system puts on it. Yeah. And... So if you're doing a, a three-dimensional CAD app or something, you're immediately going to go, I don't want a flat window for my app. My app is a volume. And then you're going to place your thing you're building into your volume. And then you're going to have to have a think about, well, what do I do with tool palettes and stuff? They don't have to live in a three-dimensional space. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to think about how to work that. Yes. So there's, like, there's already a lot of thinking about Vision OS's new paradigm for flat apps. Yes. But for 3D apps, it's so new that I I know developers will do cool things, but I'm having great trouble imagining what they will be because we just don't know where that's going yet. In the volume apps, it is more VR mode. Like you can only run one at a time. Is that no, or no? No. So there's a third. There's a third. So there's three. There are three building blocks of the Vision OS. Yeah. In terms of the, at the, at the developer, there's three basic APIs. So give me a flat surface, give me a volume, or give me an immersive experience. And the immersive experience is full screen, right? So yes. the, the Mount Hood type experience is an immersive experience. And so developers can make those too. So if you want to make some sort of a 3D world, like a game, uh, to me, gamers are, games are going to be built with that third paradigm. You're not going to have your game sitting in a window unless it's, I mean, okay, you do have sort of the fun type, iPhone type games. Right. You, you, might have a, you might have a game of Solitaire sitting over in the corner or whatever. Yeah. But in terms of your immersive gaming, that is going to be this third type of, think of it like a full screen app in 3D. Yeah. So it's basically you have pieces of paper, you have boxes, and you have full screen. Right. What we know as... And that full screen, like today, I think that just as VR gaming, but it could be full screen that's AR as well. Or no, it could be, but uh, probably, probably not. I'm not. I'm not clear. I'm not clear on that. So Apple did already say though that stuff like if you want to have a virtual environment where people could live in, the b- developers could make because a, a fully immersive yeah. world that you could then bring your windows into. Because imagine so the, you, the, the, the augmented reality. Imagine like a basketball, a virtual basketball hoop that you can place in your your living space, and you're shooting hand tracking track uh, you know the ball leave your hands and you're kind of playing basketball in your house i don't know stuff like that you could certainly do that what what immediately struck me again thinking to the early days of ios one of the funnest apps initially was koi pond yes it was just a it was just a, a virtual fish pond yes. and you could put your finger in and interact with it and you could but you that. could as a developer you could do, right, but you, you could, could using yeah, you wanted to you could absolutely do it so you could have a three-dimensional space that is a full japanese garden with your fish and stuff yes. that will be a fully immersive experience that you could then bring your windows into so you're sitting in an airport lounge that's all horrible and you would say give me that full screen koi experience yeah and then put up my powerpoint and my excel and let right. me work away and then every now and then i go play with the fish yes 
right? Yeah. So that is that is covered by the current APIs. Okay. So yeah. you as a developer, can, so they gave us an example, the Mount Hood. So if you want to work on Mount Hood and just not see the world, then Apple wrote the Mount Hood one. But th- those APIs are there for developers to write other worlds. And you, where they can animate you whatever can run, they want. You can run flat apps inside that app. You can just yes. you can run one fully immersive app. Um, yes. Amongst and then whatever windows you want within that. Okay. Precisely. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I heard the environments were kind of an exclusive to Apple, but that's that'd be good if they weren't. Um, yeah. No. Well, based on what I watched on the developer demos, they're not they're not exclusive oh, to good. Apple. No, because Apple described described the APIs and stuff for them, and it sort of had this great vision that developers would do cool things. Yeah. Awesome. How do you, um, how do you personally see yourself using Vision Pro when you eventually get one? I see it as being my 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 desktop laptop replacement. Yeah. Basically, I will go go to a place, be it my desk, mm-hmm. be it my office, be it somewhere else. I will go to a place. I will settle in and I will work. Yeah, like, I'm not a gamer. No, I also don't see myself walking around the kitchen with these things. I really do right. see it for me as the desktop paradigm. That's why it excited me like no other headset ever has. I I want to sit and work in an environment that is infinitely big mm-hmm. and comfortable. Yeah. So that 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 is what I want. I want the mm-hmm. ultimate desktop. I call it my Infini screen laptop. Yes. And um. Will you wait until it comes to your your region, or will you be a crazy person and fly over here and try to procure one? Mm, undecided. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I at the moment, as far as my darling beloved is concerned, I am not prepared to spend silly money on this because that would like double yeah, the cost I mean, last of flying here. Would you know that's expensive? And I, well, I wouldn't. It, I wouldn't quite do it that way. Yeah. I, I, oh, you would, have a I have plenty of friends. Friend. Yes, yeah. Yes, I, I mean, that's how I got my first Apple Watch. I had a friend in the UK because I came to yes. the UK first. Um, so I had a friend in the UK buy me one and send it to me. And I, I, I know quite a few podcasters in America. I am sure Allison or someone would be quite happy to yes. you know PayPal over the money and then send me the thing. Yeah. I, as far as my darling beloved is concerned, that's not going to happen. Okay. I won't promise it won't. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to try to get people, your hands on one, just you, even in America, I feel this will be uh, instant sellout. It's going to be hard. Yes. Yeah. And as I understand it, they're not easy to manufacture. So these things are going to be in short supply. Yeah. Like, um, I'm anticipating if I'm not there at, you know, whatever, 9 a.m. on the Apple Store app when it opens, it'll be a long time. And even if I'm there, I'll probably be <laughs> several week delay. Yeah. Know, or months. Yeah. yeah, like your like your first iPhone, you know. Yes. People will probably be in line and stuff. Yes. I, I think there's the demand is going to be bigger than the supply, and not because Apple are artificially doing it, but because it's really hard to make something like this. And I even know of waiting in you have to go to like a one of the big Apple stores way in line. If you wait in line at just a random Apple store, I'm not sure <laughs> we have one. It's like because of the supply. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Apple Store app or go to New York City, yeah. Well, I think, isn't the rumor that you're going to have to be fitted? Through, uh, well, either in person or mm. they have the the iPhone app uh, thing that'll do it for you um, there as well, is what I've heard. The, yeah, so there's yeah. there's been mixed rumors on that. So one way it might go is that you end up queuing up online to get effectively a virtual ticket to then go to an app store, right. to an Apple store where they will actually find you the appropriate light shield and find you the appropriate yeah. inserts and stuff. Right. Because you may not walk out. You, you may end up going in, getting measured up, and, and you may not walk you. out with the device that day. It may be, especially if you need custom stuff from Zeiss, 
it may be a case that you come in, you get measured up and they get everything ready for you and they say, and yes, you know, three days, three working days from now, UPS will go ding dong and here's right. your headset. Yes. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Um, one uh, theory I've had um, is this battery pack that has USB-C port. Mm. Is there any, uh, your developer knowledge, would Apple hide the fact that that USB-C port is passed through with data as well so we could hook up uh, hard drives and other things to our headsets. I mean, that is a purely a question of what what they're like. It's kind of a maturity of the OS question more than anything yeah. else, right? So if you think about it on the iPad, the, the the files app took a long time to catch up with what the hardware could actually do, right? We so do the have fact that the physical app, we have a files app on day one, it is all on the betas. We do, we do. <laughs> so at a technical point, there's no reason you couldn't do anything through that USB C port. But it's up to the operating system to decide what it presents out. And it's, yeah. to some extent, I think that's how far ahead Apple engineers are because there's so many things they have to get ready in this OS. Where is that on their priority list? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, but technically, there's no reason they couldn't. Yeah. And if you're working at a desk, like plug that into the Thunderbolt Hub, have all your stuff. I don't know. That's probably not Thunderbolt, but it could be. Um, and because I imagine that battery pack, yeah, I imagine that battery pack has a lot more smarts in it than we think. And that's why I think instead of buying a second battery pack, I'll be buying a bigger dumb battery pack that I plug that battery pack into for longer sessions. Is my yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of possibilities, I think, for because I, I do kind of like the idea of just being tethered. You know, you just have like a power supply that's on your desk or something and yeah. just hook in and just not even worry about a battery. But I, I'm sure that's something they'll figure out over time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think that, yeah, it's doing probably a lot of things in that battery pack that we're not quite aware of. Like, it's interesting they did not offload any of the CPU computer stuff to that battery pack, which they could have. Um. Yeah. Maybe because they want to get rid of it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. And if you engineer, if you engineer it in so that the battery pack starts doing computer work, well, then you can't get rid of the battery pack because you're yeah, just giving it extra true. work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's curious with that stuff. Um. Yeah, and it's curious. They, you need the battery pack. There's no option. It appears at least to swap that with just a power cable to be plugged in. Probably from a safety standpoint, they want it to be. I, I guess I you know. need to have. There would need to be at least a small amount of battery in the headset for that to be viable. Because how right. else would you change from one to the other and stuff? Yeah. So, I, I, but there's no reason in the future we we couldn't move to that kind of a world. Yeah, we shall see how they. We shall see how it goes. So. Um, we both have, I'm sure, many hours more thoughts on this stuff, but we should probably start to wrap it up here. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they, they're going to develop as well, because every time I have this conversation, new things come into my head, because so many possibilities here, and developers are darn imaginative and clever people. So now that they're at the, you know, they're now playing around with, with the beta version on a simulator, and they're already doing fun stuff. Well, mm-hmm. you know, where are they going to go a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? When they so actually have the hardware and are imagining things now that they've played with it. Yeah. 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 So I, I, this is so exciting. So many possibilities. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when um, when iPhone launched, it's like I was imagining a, a crazy world where things could happen with that thing. And 
Um, this is just so different and, and so delightful with what can be the future here. Well, if you think about the iPhone, we knew it would be cool. Yes. And we kind of thought we knew what it would do, but it turns out it did different things, but it's still really cool. Yeah. It's just different cool. Different and that'll cool. happen here too. Yeah, very much so. Well, thank you, Bart, for your time. It has been just a pleasure chatting with you, and we will have to do it again sometime. Um, where can folks find you on the interwebs? The easiest place is to go to lets-talk.ie, which is where my podcasts live. Um, and my personal site is bartb.ie, but it's it's going to change, but for now it's still there. And whatever I do in the future, there'll be a redirect. But yeah, that's probably the easiest URL, bartb.ie. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Bart. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, absolute, absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, I definitely will be back over the history of this show, which I wish you the best of luck with. Thank you. Uh, and as we go on this fun journey. Well, that's my discussion with Bart. Make sure to check out Bart's work over at bartbouchats.ie. My thanks to Bart for his time recording, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this show by trying out Agenda. Learn more at agenda.com. And my thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of Vision Pros. Get early access to both Vision Pros and iPad Pros by subscribing at visionpros.fm slash Patreon or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.